Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Everyone, this is Tom Fox back for another episode. And you are in for a real treat today because I have with me Ian Crosby. Ian is the idol as CEO of Bench, co-founder and CEO. And as you soon tell from his accent, he is from north of the border. Ian, with that introduction, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Ian, I was really intrigued by your story, the story of Bench and the innovation you guys are bringing into something that many people think of as an innovative task or perhaps even a back-of-the-house task. So if I could start with, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to co-found Bench. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a bookkeeper in college. That's how I paid my tuition and just came across this problem of, you know, how is there not a place you can just go on the internet and get perfect bookkeeping out? Like, why is this something that every single business kind of has to figure out for themselves? You know, like either I have to go interview and hire a bookkeeper and if I'm not an expert, how do I know that they're good, right? How do I know that they even did their job right? And there's a lot of people who, you know, they get into trouble because their bookkeeper didn't do it right and they had no idea. How could they have known? Or you got to learn all this accounting stuff. And, you know, that's completely unrelated to your business. But if you don't do it properly, you get in big trouble with the IRS, right? So how is there not a place I can just stick in my credit card and not think about that? Like with email, I can just go to Gmail. I don't have to worry about how the mail server works. You know, I don't have to worry about whether my mail was delivered or not. Why isn't there that for accounting? So that just really stuck with me. And I went after school. I worked in business for a couple of years. And this, I couldn't get this idea out of my head. It was kind of like either I'm completely out to lunch. My business intuition is terrible. In which case, I'd rather know that at 24, you know. <laughs> or there's something huge here that's been really overlooked. So I just jumped right into it. I didn't have a background in software at all and never run a business. I didn't know entrepreneurs. I didn't know venture capitalists, but you know, I just figured there was something here and I started asking people if I could do their bookkeeping. <laughs> that's how we got started. So Ian, that the reason I love that story is that you saw a need in the market and you were able to fill that need. And certainly in my home state of Texas, we call that capitalism. And uh, we love <laughs> capitalism. And I love people who can look at a problem that is, I don't want to say it's obvious because no one else has done it before, but it's straightforward. And we're able to see a solution where no one had seen that solution before. So we're going to get into a little bit more. But when I originally saw the name Bench, I had one idea of the reason for the name, but it turns out that it's completely different. So I was wondering if you might tell our listeners how you guys came up with the name Bench and what it means to you. Yeah, I love the name Bench and I can take absolutely no credit for it because it was my brilliant co-founders that came up with it. The reason I like it is it actually has kind of three or four connotations and we like all of them. So, you know, one of the connotations is who's on your bench, who's your team, right? right. There's a physical bench that can support you and is solid and you know you can rely on and then there's you know bench is actually the root word for bank so it has sort of financial connotations and we also just really like the mouthfeel like we wanted to have a short name that was really simple like a square a stripe you know like one syllable 
weeks. Like we didn't want to be like Ian Crosby bookkeepers and associates, right? Like that just says something very different about sort of the brand we're trying to build. We want something that just feels really modern and it really brought all that stuff together. So yeah, the domain name was available. So that was the last sort of you know critical piece was we were able to buy it for you know three thousand dollars. If I could ask you a little bit about your path to business leadership and how you and your team have helped grow Bench to one of the top 30 fastest growing companies in North America. Could you give us a few words on that? Yeah. I mean, well, I started this business when I was 24 or 25 and I'm, you know, 32 now. And in between there has been, you know, two kids and getting married and, you know, just having a whole experience of life. So I mean, it's really been an experience that has pushed, I wouldn't say that like I started with one style of leadership. You know, I just really learned what kind of leadership would be really effective for me. Constantly pushing myself to develop my effectiveness as a leader, that's really, you know, what has allowed us to keep on growing every year. Because, you know, every time we doubled, well, we'd capitalize on the thing that allowed us to double, but we got to figure out something new now, right? You know, at the same time we're learning, you know, it started with, it was like four guys in a basement and now we're 400 people. And, you know, at every stage of the business, I need to sort of make a breakthrough in my own leadership so I could figure out how to really be effective at that scale. You know, it wasn't like a comfortable journey. It wasn't like a, <laughs> like, oh, great. I just, I have the secrets of leadership and we, all, and we figured it all out. It was, you know, really just like maturing as a human being and understanding human beings and what I'm here to do and, and what other people want to get out of their lives and how we can all do that together. And, I mean, I'm happy to jump into, you know, over time, what we did was we developed a mission that we really all believe in, which is I'm interested in human beings and the quality of their lives. And I'm out to make a profound difference in the lives of as many human beings as I can. And so that's what Bench is really about. It's, you know, we bring people mastery of their finances to make a difference in their life. If we bring the mastery of their finances and it made no difference in their life, then our definition of them having mastered their finances isn't very good because it made no difference for them, right? So having something that can really rally behind, oh, it's about people, right? And it's so easy to get sort of wrapped up in the minutia and go, it's about bookkeeping and, oh, who really cares about bookkeeping, right? Oh, it's debits and credits. Oh, you know, you know, same stuff, different day. And imagine like, you know, a firefighter, if they pulled up to a burning house and they were like, oh, here I am again, you know, time to move water around, you know, like no connection to the people. Just, oh, another day, just got to arbitrarily move water from point A to point B. But, you know, to the person in the burning house, you putting the water on the house in the exact right way is really important to them, right? Like you can make a big difference for people and, you know, really focusing, being able to connect you know, what we're doing, which can, yeah, I mean, at a surface level, it can seem really back office right? But really connecting to, no, this makes a real difference for people. When people will get on top of their finances, you know, they can get a sense of direction, they can feel powerful and they can go, you know, like, this is the reason that people talk about their bench bookkeeper. You know, you go online to hear people talk about, it, they're like, oh, change my life, right? It's like, you know, most bookkeepers in the world, people wouldn't say they changed their life, you know? <laughs> so the reason we've been able to do that is because the bookkeepers are trying to change your life because they're really about people and we built a culture around that. So, you know, first was like discovering how can I really connect people to purpose? The second was discovering what are some cultural principles that are really going to work for us and that I'm very careful to call them principles, not values, because they're not about what's right or wrong. It's about how is this team all going to work together and we're all going to agree we're going to do it this way. And when we do that, we're going to be super effective. Like the way I describe it to people is, and we're going to use a lot of hockey analogies, by the way, because we're Canadian, right, north of the border. That might be the other giveaway is we use so many hockey analogies. <laughs> um, 
one analogy would be, look, if you're going to play hockey, there's some certain things that look like playing hockey, like having a hockey stick and being on ice and wearing skates and there's a net. And, you know, if you don't do any of those things, it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just not hockey. You know, you can bring a basketball and a hockey rink if you want. It's just going to be chaos. And that's what we're very careful to say. Look, these aren't like we're not going to say, hey, you don't follow these principles. You're a bad person or something. It's just you're not doing bench. You're doing some other thing. Right. And we're only going to win if we're all playing the same game and playing for the same team. So with a combination of those two things and really being able to develop and really understanding it and having other people understand it. Once you got 400 people like, you know, so many layers removed from people actually doing things that. You know, it's not like I can sit next to them and tell them what to do or make sure they're doing it properly, right? Like I need to build a system where people know what to do and they know how to act and they know what they're about. And, you know, they come in Monday and they're going, here's what we're going to do next. And it all makes sense in the context of what we're trying to build. So, you know, I'm just really obsessed with people and culture. That's, you know, how we've been able to have people keep on figuring stuff out that keeps on powering our growth. Like it's not like my unique genius or something like I'm sitting there with like these set of tactics, you know, pulling them out at the exact right time. It's people in rooms that I'm not even in talking about what are we going to do next? And, you know, really having the best idea service to the top and having a team that can really carry it out and pull it off. So Ian, what I'm really hearing is innovation in two yet connected fields. One is with your products for your customers, but I'm also hearing innovation internally to bench, where, as you said, people are sitting in these rooms talking about what can we do better? How can we deliver a solution more efficiently? How can we as a company make our employee base, I don't want to say a better employee base, but more motivated to throw water on that house, if we can go back to that analogy. So it really sounds like you're using innovation in a lot of, like I said, disparate ways, but ways that at the end of the day are intertwined and connected. Yeah. I mean, we don't even actually think of innovation or doing new things. Like we don't think about that at all. We're just kind of very focused because of our culture on, you know, kind of the problems in front of us or what we're trying to solve. And then people are really uninhibited and being able to come up with their ideas and go test them out and execute them. And then what pops out the other end is a bunch of new stuff, right? It's just sort of whatever comes out the other end of that process. It's not like we're like trying to force it to happen. And, you know, the way we do it is we just set up like the right ingredients and let it happen. Like when we found we try to force it to happen, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> let me turn to the products and services that you deliver to your customers. Why do you think and frankly, your professional experience as a bookkeeper, why is it so important for a small business owner, perhaps even not a small one, to have a service that keeps or makes bookkeeping simple, effortable for them going forward? Well, you know, there's so many people we talk to and they actually don't know if they're making money right now and they don't know if they're going to be making money 12 months from now or, you know, what's really going to go on in their business. We talk to people who don't really know how to file taxes or if they're doing it right. And, you know, what it really comes down to is you should just have the stuff at your fingertips. It's not something you should have to worry about, right? Like you could solve this with, you know, 50 or 100 hours of your own effort, or you could just have someone serve it up to you. And part of being really successful in business is having an awesome team around you that can let you do awesome things without you having to put in a lot of effort, like just allowing you to do what you do well naturally. And that's why it can be really important to have, you know, someone like Bench on your team. That's how we think about it, right? Is we actually take responsibility that you're getting this, that you're getting what you need in the area of your finances and not 
you know, like there's this sort of terrible saying in business, which is garbage in, garbage out, right? And we kind of reject that. Like when it comes to bookkeeping, we're not garbage in, garbage out. We're not, you know, like, well, you told us the wrong thing, so you get your books are wrong now. That's your fault. <laughs> you know, we take responsibility that people's books are right in the way that I take responsibility that my daughter doesn't run out in the street. You know, when it comes to that, I don't go, well, my daughter didn't listen to what I said, so I guess she gets run over now, right? It's, okay, I'm really going to take care of this. I really care that this happens and that, you know, there's an outcome here that I really intensely care about. And, you know, the way we've built our culture is, we care about people's books being right and them understanding them the way that I care about my daughter running out in the street or the way that, you know, an airline cares about like there's certain things, by the way, the airlines don't care about. So I'm not saying like, be like an airline. <laughs> one thing they do really well is we have gone for, you know, a decade without a fatal accident on a major domestic carrier, right? It's like the planes take off and they land safely and they really care about that. And they've built systems that make sure that, you know, you take off from San Francisco you have high confidence you're landing in New York. It's not like, a, oh, well, I guess someone brought on the wrong luggage and who could have known, you know, so now the plane's going down, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and there's certain businesses where they really take responsibility that an outcome is going to happen, you know. And whenever you can find someone like that, like it's just so rare in the world that you can find people like that that are really going to take responsibility that something happens for you. That if you can find someone like that, like hold on to them for dear life, right? And that's how we built Bench so that people could, you know, just have that in the area of their finances. And let me change the focus a little bit and ask you, what are three tips that you could give to either entrepreneurs or, frankly, business leaders who are listening to our show that they could go home with today from your experience as a business leader? Yeah. I mean, once your business gets to, you know, more than just you, it becomes way more about the people you brought on and sort of the understanding of how they work, culture that about you whatsoever and your role just kind of becomes like who is involved here what do we want them to do and how are they going to work together and you know there's a moment where i switched from thinking my job here is to have an awesome strategy to my job here is to make sure the people and culture are the strongest that they can be and that was the point where you know we really started taking off so you know, I really encourage people to really grapple with that. Like I used to hear people say that, right? And I would go, oh, okay, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> I'd be like, sure, sure. That's the thing that people say so they can sound nice, you know, or like sound like magnanimous people or something. And But really, okay, tell me about the strategy. Tell me about the stuff you're doing behind the scenes. That's the way I used to be, you know? And, you know, it was only until seeing examples of, like I would see some teams come together and sometimes it'd be the same people. Like there'd be teams just coming together in different contexts within the company. And some would be ridiculously successful at figuring and so fast and so effective at doing what they were to do. And other ones just couldn't seem to sort of like figure it out and just kept on falling down and like seemed just like chaotic and disorganized or, or actually sometimes it was like very organized ineffectiveness. <laughs> Here's our process. It's ineffective. Why? I don't know. You know, so it wasn't even the people. It was really just the culture. And, you know, what I observed was just the completely different cultural expectations that those teams operated with and like the norms on those teams. And usually it was because there was a leader that was accountable for that team. Like it would be a different leader. The other people on the team would be the same. And that was when I really started cluing in like, oh, people are not just kidding around with this culture stuff. Like this is really all it is. Once it's, you know, not me doing the thing, like once it's not me talking to the customer or me writing the software, well, which happens pretty quick, you know, like as soon as you hire two people, the majority of people in the company are not you, 
you know? <laughs> so that stuff becomes radically important way faster than I ever thought it would. And the other thing is just having a really clear just understanding of, you know, what you're here to do in the world, like beyond just like, okay, here's what my business is going to do. It's like, why are you here? What are you going to do with your time here? You know, you've got a very limited time here. I've got a very limited time here. How are we going to leave the world different for us having been here? And, you know, just really getting to crystal clarity on that and then just doing it and having everything actually come from that understanding that's called integrity. And, you know, that just provides such a powerful foundation for, okay, here's what we're really here to do. Right. Rather than getting wrapped up in all kinds of other silly stuff that people could be worried about. And, you know, it's really easy to get upset about stuff. Right. Like a customer got upset with me and I'm going to have a bad day now. Right. You know, imagine people whose their entire job just talk to customers all day. If that's going to be your reaction to it, then you're not going to have an awesome experience of life. But if you're able to share in, oh, what I'm really here to do is I'm here to make a difference in the lives of people. And it's kind of irrelevant whether they're nice to me or not. And, you know, turns out when I make a difference for a lot of people, we're going to have awesome relationships, but it's not always going to be like that. You know, the way that people are able to relate to life and their work is just radically different and way more powerful. They stop getting sort of like hung up on what I'd call small concerns. And they're able to really spend their time thinking about big concerns. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Those would be my pieces of advice. So, Ian, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time today, but I was wondering if listeners wanted to contact you for further information or find out more about Bench, how could they do either one of those? Yeah, absolutely. Well, our website is bench.co, B-E-N-C-H dot C-O, not dot com. And, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ian W. Crosby. So I-A-N-W-C-R-O-S-B-Y. And yeah, happy to get into contact with any of those questions. Well, Ian, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.